retreat uh, here in the third service, and we're thrilled that you're with us. I'm very excited to be able to introduce you today. One of my dearest friends in ministry, sometimes you don't get to meet uh, the, the, the relationships that we have, uh, my wife and I, that we get to enjoy. Uh, you've heard the statement, I'm sure, uh, if you're in any kind of leadership capacity or you're at a high level of overseeing other people, um, you have heard the statement, it's lonely at the top. Well, I understand that's true. Years ago, I kind of added to that. The Lord opened my heart to say, yes, it's lonely at the top until only until you meet people just like you. Well, Pastor Derek Fry and his wife, Stacy, are those people that God has brought into our lives that we get to do life together. And we get to do life together inside the church, outside the church. It's been a real godsend to us. It's been a real joy and a privilege that makes ministry as challenging as it can be. It really makes it very much worthwhile to be able to share ministry together, life together, family together, fun together. Pastor Derek Fry, pastors uh, connect a community church in Ashland, Massachusetts. Actually has a second campus in Framingham. If I lived in that area, that's the church that I would go to. Uh, 28 years he's been in ministry. 18 years ago, he took over from his father. Uh, he's a legacy pastor. His children are all involved in ministry. And uh, we are very grateful for the hookup that God has put us together. We both pastor pastors. We love pastoring pastors. We both have worked together into some crazy situations in church life where God used us in a mighty way to be a blessing to the church. In fact, if we were superheroes, he'd be the Hulk, I'd be Iron Man. You'll figure out why he's the Hulk in a few minutes. Um, but I am so thrilled to introduce to you someone that means the world to me that I communicate with on a regular basis. Several times a week, we're going back and forth with each other. And uh, will you please stand to your feet and welcome, please, Pastor Derek Fry. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give Jesus a bigger hand. Would you do that one more time? He deserves, he deserves it all. Thank you, thank you. You may be seated, International Family Church. What a joy, what an honor, what a privilege. Uh, everything Pastor Jonathan said uh, is so true, but ditto back at you. Kind of, um, he has uh, been such an incredible friend. He and Verna are family to me. Uh, they're not just dear ministry friends, they're dear friends. Uh, we are hi highly connected. We're in covenant relationship. Uh, Pastor Jonathan, you may not realize, is... Uh, uh, he is one of my overseers, one of my pastors of our church, so he speaks into our church freely and, um, and has a leadership capacity with not only myself and my wife, but also our whole team and staff. He pours into a lot of my team and staff, and, and so does Verna. Verna's like my, he call, she calls me my little big brother, and uh, she's my big sister, and um, absolutely adore Verna. Her voice in, in our lives is critical as well. Um, you guys are so blessed. You have, um, you have legacy pastors. You have faithful pastors. You have super gifted pastors. Can you just give it up for them? Love you, pastor. He's pastor right now. He's Jonathan when we're by ourselves, but um, he, is a, he is a voice into my life and uh, super, super grateful. We do get to work together in different things. We've been in some serious pickles together helping other churches, and I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else. Uh, we, have a, we have an amazing um, non-competitive, complimentary 
um, just gift mix. And uh, it's just crazy. You guys just can't imagine. We've been able to help a lot of people. We both have apostolic callings. What that means is we pastor pastors uh, who pastor churches. And, um, you know, what does that mean? It just, the Lord showed me years ago uh, that, well, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Have you ever heard that scripture, anybody? And the Lord showed me that if you shore the shepherd up, the sheep will continue to gather. So the best thing to do would be to pastor pastors to take care of churches. And so if, 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 you, ta- if, you're, if you were trying to strategically hurt a church, you try to tackle and you try to take out the pastor. And so we, we're, just, we're just leveraging our experience and um, kind of leaning on each other to be able to help other churches. And, and, and IFC has tremendous influence in New England. It's way beyond the walls of this church and the things that you see. And some of that's just being around a while and being faithful. Faithfulness leads to opportunities, opportunities to lead other people. And so you guys are so, so blessed. Can't say enough about it. Amen? Amen. Well, um, I'm not going to do a lot of the getting to know you stuff because I, I, I actually feel comfortable here. Some of you haven't heard me on a Sunday morning, but I've actually spoke here many times in, in a leadership capacity. And so this feels comfortable. And of course, I'm, I'm super close to your leadership. I know a lot of the team here personally and intimately. And so this is kind of home away from home. Uh, my family, is a ministry family like the Del Turcos. My wife is preaching today at home and she's doing, uh, we have four services, two locations, and she um, she's preaching. My son often is as he's also a third generation preacher. So we have, we have that legacy in our family of three generations. Sometimes we'll have all three of us in different locations. It's just a wild kind of ride and uh, how God could do something like that. And my greatest testimony is that all my kids love God. They love the local church, serve in the local church, and they continue to like mom and dad. Hallelujah. And so that's greater legacy than anything I could, I could offer. Anyway, uh, if you're taking notes, you can, you know, kind of get your, your, your little notebook out, your, your whatever, your pen and paper, Bible, digital Bible, whatever you use. We're going to talk about church today. Everybody say church. church. You got to say a little bit of, you know, like Southern, you know, Baptist kind of church. Okay. And so turn your neighbor, say, we're going to talk about church. Okay. So I'm going to talk about, I want, when you, when you leave her today, I want you to be extraordinarily grateful for the kind of church you have. I want you to be able to communicate and overcome some of the obstacles that people have with the church. And I want you to see how God created it so you can appreciate it more fully. Uh, one of the things that um, I think you'll see in just a few minutes is there's different paradigms that people have about church out there. And so we'll talk about some of those. We'll talk about some truths connected to those. And then I'm going to give you like three kind of observations from God's word about the church so you can really, really get a grip on it and become a greater part of it. Amen? Um, when I was at the, uh, the gym not too long ago, uh, I'm a gym rat for 15 years. Um, I, I, I like to pick things up and put things down. And, uh, and just, just real basic. It's just, ooh. And um, I, I haven't competed in a couple of years, but I used to be very, very competitive about it. And, um, but when I'm at the gym, uh, God gives me tons of opportunities to, uh, it's my church away from church kind of thing. And so I was, I was inviting this guy to church. And I wasn't inviting him to church, by the way, as a pastor. I was inviting him to church as a Christian. It's quiet in this Catholic church right now. (laughs) I'm saying all y'all paying attention, okay? We all are Christians. We invite people to church. In other words, if you love something, it shows. If you receive something, you should give it away. I always say Christianity is like breathing. You breathe it in, you breathe it out. If you just breathe in what you receive here, I submit to you over time, you get weird. Like you do... You're coming like a balloon. You're just going up into heaven. I'm so spiritual up here in the 
stratosphere. Look at me. You know what I mean? But if you don't, <laughs> if you don't give away what God's, you, you need to breathe it out. Now, if you don't have the heaven touch, whatever you breathe out, I call it hallelujah, halitosis. That's funny. I don't, this service is tough. <laughs> if you breathe out and nobody's like drawn to what you're breathing, you're not in Christ. Okay? <laughs> if somebody get, falls out like dead versus slain in the spirit, that's different. You know what I mean? So, so you should be breathing life upon people. If, you're po- if, you're, if the gospel it doesn't point people to Jesus, your points are pointless. Yeah. All right. So we want to give away what God's given. So I'm talking to a guy at the gym and I'm inviting him to church and he says, that's, that's great for you, Derek, but I don't do organized religion. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Anybody? Okay. We've all had to face or even think, have thought those things before. He basically said the church, the way I see it, organized religion, it's messy. It's messy, so I'm not into I don't need that. I said, listen, if you think organized religion is messy, you should see disorganized. It's really messy. And so we proceeded to kind of unravel and fix and clean up some of the messes that he had about church, which has been a big problem for the church. The church has had to get the bad news out before it can get the good news in. And that's what's so powerful. The reason this church continues to grow and change is because it's been faithful to, through, through servant leadership and serving the socks off people and through integrity over many years and through faithfulness. As a result of that, we've been able to get more of the bad news out so we can get the good news in. But, but it's an effort. It's an effort in our culture today because of the disorganized religion that has been out there that's produced some of the results that we've seen. Is everybody with me? Some people say things like, um, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. Now, I've said that. To be honest, I've said that too. And there's truth to that, but it's incomplete. In other words, um, the, the reason people are you know, trying to say, well, I don't need to be in a church or I don't need to be a part of organized religion is because all I need is relationship. Truth be told, yes, you do need relationship. But when you, you first meet Jesus, but then you need to learn how to follow Jesus. And so religion, by the way, contrasted with religious, religion is a standard by which we learn to connect with God and follow God. And so religion's not the bad word. Religious is the bad word. Religious is when I'm, you know, I'm better than you. I'm looking down upon you. You know how, you you know those people in church when they're like, you're sitting next to them, they kind of look at you, kind of go, you know what I mean? They're kind of sizing you up a little bit. You know, the the, the religious has got that pharisaical attitude that kind of like, you know, I don't know about you. Uh, Sadducee, you know, you know what Sadducees are, right? Yeah. Okay, sad, they're sad, you see. Because <laughs> they don't believe in the resurrection according to scripture. That's why, that's why they were so sad, okay? But, but there's a separation. And so you make a decision that's the Jesus relationship part, the most important decision you're ever going to make in your life of your own free will agency. You must choose that. But then you become a disciple, and you are discipled, and we'll talk about this more, that's the religion part. 
That's where we, it's a systematic approach or process. Or We are all on a life-changing spiritual journey, hopefully, within this church. We're, we're supposed to be on a journey. It's not a destination, and it's not just a decision. So it's a front-end decision. It's not also just a destination. It's a journey, and the journey takes place. That's what religion is. It's a process. Everybody with me? Some people say, I don't do organized religion. It's because it's man-made. Well, if they're talking about the church, which is what they are usually talking about, that's not true. God actually established the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said in Ephesians 3.10, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. Church, unfortunately, looks like something like an edifice. It looks like a four walls and a building and a structure. No, a church is not so much an organization or a building. It's an organism. It's meant to be alive. It's meant to breathe. It, it, the Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being. The church is supposed to be like that. Right. That's, where we, that's where we learn to live. That's, it's, the, it's the lab of life. It's where we kind of work out what we've been talking out. Right. Amen? Does everybody get that? And so the church is it's, it's, it's not man-made. It's made by God. Here's another one people say. I don't do organized religion. I have a relationship with God. It's a personal thing. I don't really need to attend church to live it out. And so this is a common, common misconception, misinformation that you can separate from the church and continue to grow. And I'm going to unpack that in the latter part of my message. There'll be like three points just about that piece of it. But basically, the, the people, it's true. You, can, you, you have to establish this personal thing, but you will suffocate and die if you're not connected to the bride of Christ. Amen. God's wanted you to be in covenant with and in relationship with uh, the local church. Here's another one, because I'm going to get back to that one in a minute. Uh, this one's kind of a mishmash, paddywhack, give you dog a bone. No, this one is like a, a mixture of a few things I've heard, okay? There are so many denominations out there, PD, they can't all be right, so they must all be wrong. All right, so track with me on this one. Is everybody with me, third service? Yeah. By the way, third service can be the best service of all the services, okay? Because I have an attitude, I have a little chip on my shoulder about third service, and that is I, people kind of come in sometimes third service and they don't give their best because they're just kind of waiting, coasting it out as speakers. Not me. I always give my best for the third service. Can I have an amen? So I need you to say, I need you to talk back at me. I need you to amen me once in a while. I need you to say, preach it, white boy. Whatever you got to do. I need, some, I need some of that, okay? All right? Everybody there? Okay, so, <laughs> so I, when it comes to this, this whole idea, uh, denominations, denomination means divided names by definition. So here's what's going on uh, in, in kind of the psyche of people. People are driving by churches all through America, driving by IFC, driving by Connect Church in, in Ashland, and they're, they're saying, look at all the church people going to church. But behind that, the reason they're not going to church is because they're thinking, look at all the different churches and all the people going to those churches. Why do I want what they have? Because they can't get along with themselves. Because the whole church is so fractured and splintered. Right. It's, it's divided, not different. So God meant for it to be different, and I'll come back to that, but the enemies made it divided. 
So instead of having one big C church that is working together non-competitively, non-territorially, not majoring in the minors, but majoring in the majors, the enemies come in there and made it all splintered and fractured. We're right, we're right, you're wrong, you're wrong, us four no more. All that stuff's going on within the church and people are like, what do I want that for? There's no unity in the big C church. It's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be not divided, just different flavors and expressions within the body. It's different flavors, but it's still ice cream. Amen. <laughs> ice cream, everybody. There's these basic ingredients that you have to have in ice cream, but there's a whole, there could be 31 flavors. Connect might be vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, and IFC is Rocky Road. I don't know. No inverter the way I do, it probably is. It's just, but it's still got those ingredients in it, everybody. And so if the church would behave or see itself correctly in its identity, uh, we wouldn't say, oh, well, that church down the street's wrong, and that church doesn't do it the way we do it, and you shouldn't go there, you should go here. No, then the, the Holy Spirit's uh, water level would be raised within a region because churches aren't splintering, fracturing, or dividing because they realize they're all ice cream with different flavors. Amen. We wouldn't have so many banana splits in the body of Christ. I don't know. I just thought of that. It just came to me. <laughs> so uh, Paul basically cautioned the church. He said in 1 Corinthians 1.10, he said, I wish that the church would not be divided, that it would be united in thought and purpose. 1 Corinthians 1.10. There's two words there. He's basically saying purpose, critical. Purpose basically is referring to the mandates from God's word that churches and people love God and make disciples. Right. So you don't want to, listen, you don't want to go to a church where you don't see people passionately pursuing God, his presence, loving him, adoring him. That's why I love worship here. It's incredible. That's a critical thing. But you also want to see, are they making disciples? Are we equipping? Are we training? Are we sending? That's why it's so awesome. This is a mission, missionary church for years and years and years. That's a sign that it's healthy. Okay. A lot of churches have that paradigm, that purpose of great commission, great commandment, for those of you trying to connect that. But where churches get splintered is over their thought, the way they think about things, their philosophy of ministry, their methodology. It's sometimes not the message, which is sacred, it's the methods which need to change so that the message doesn't get misconstrued. And so that's why we painstakingly work at IOC through our methods to be able to help people connect to God, not talk over them, not talk down to them, not uh, make it uh, another language they wouldn't understand. Uh, why? Because we don't want the message to be missed through the methods. Does that make sense, everybody? Paul was really big on this. He was really big on this. Here's another thing that happens in the church. People, the reason some people don't come or the people who do come, they come and they look like this. <clears throat> Uh, what do you, what's, what's your angle? What's your angle, preacher? What, what do you want from me? Who, who do you report to? So they're not always saying that, but basically they're in, but they're not in. There's, there's, an, there's an edge, there's a distrust. Why? Because people like me and people in leadership and churches have abused their power and, 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 and there's all kinds of distortion. And so, but what happens is because of that, people throw the baby out with the bathwater and they bail on God's plan A, which is the local church where he uses imperfect people to accomplish amazing things. Yeah. 
And so we can't throw it all out. God has no plan B. It's plan A through the church that he wants to fulfill the, the great commission. He wants to see uh, the world changed and, and reached. And so what we do is we design things for that skeptic and we create a space for them to, uh, and we give, uh, to, to grow and change and we give them the information they need so at some point over time they can kind of drop their rocks. Right. And they can undo their arms and they can raise their arms and they can release. And I wish that all men would lift up holy hands and praise to God. Amen? And so, so sometimes we charge to God man's mistakes. Years ago, uh, I, was, I did an interview, an interfaith interview. I don't know why or how, but I did this interfaith interview with WBZ Radio. And I was on with like four or five other religious leaders, and they, they set me up in the interview to bat last. I would answer questions last. And at the time, being honest, I was a little prideful. I was like, that's great, because then I can listen to all their dumb answers and come up with a really great <laughs> response. <laughs> I'm just being honest. And that, that bit me, by the way, in just a few seconds, you'll see. And so they went, and I was like, yeah, 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 I got this, I got this. And then I went, and I did a great job. Bam, bam, just great answers. And so at the end of that, the, 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 um, the DJ, he goes, Pastor Derek, it's been so great having you here today, and we're so glad that you're here with us at the end, because we're going to take some live callers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did. I was freaking out. I was like, what, what, what? It's like six in the morning on a Tuesday. I, I, I didn't rehearse for this. I didn't script for this. I didn't plan for this. And all of a sudden, beep, 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 beep. Callers coming in, callers coming in. And they are looking for blood from the Pentecostal preacher boy. And they start blitzing questions. <laughs> question, 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 question. I'm like, ah, 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 I couldn't even, I didn't have time to pray. And so I just remember one. Everything else just I just I I can't see anything anymore. It's just it's a it black I blacked out. And this one guy calls in and he is a mad atheist. <laughs> Which by the way, those two things always seem to go together. Mad atheist. I don't know, just my experience. And he's fired up, and he starts answering all these questions. And finally, he gets to this one. I don't remember the exact details of it, but the gist of it was, he starts real global. He's like, Pastor Derek, uh, you know, if God is so good, why don't you explain to me the Crusades when all these Christians and people were killed, all these Christians killed people in God's name? And as soon as he said it, I was like, dude, you've been holding a grudge for a long time. Like... <laughs> That was my first thought. My second thought was, Jesus, help me. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit kind of just dropped this nugget. I said, I said, man, listen, I appreciate I understand where you're coming from. But what happens is man charges to God man's sinful choices. And he's been given free will agency where he can say yes or no to God. And he can represent him well or represent him bad. But we can't throw out what God did because of what man messed up. Amen. Cool. Cool. All right. So I want you to know that not only do atheists do that, but sometimes church people do that. And people come in and out because of mistakes that have happened in the past, and they charge it to churches present and even into their future. This church has had a healthy history, and those things should not be charged to the experiences of this house and this place. Can I have an amen? And so over the next three hours, I'm going to convince you... Buckle up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So some of the fears people have uh, is the church is hypocritical, right? That's another one. People have that fear. It's a bunch of hypocrites. Hypocrites. 
My wife's from the South, so that's how they say it. She's from Alabama. Hypocrites. All y'all got hypocrites up there in the church. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Basically, what they're saying is, you've got a standard for us, but we know, see, observe that you're not living that standard. And that incongruency makes me say, no thanks, no way, Jose, I don't want what you have. But while I believe there's a standard for leadership that's higher, and that's important, I, I want to kind of separate these things a little. Like the Bible says to Pastor and I, th those who teach will be judged more strictly. Right. <sighs> like that's a, you know, it has high standards. So if you can't lead your family well, you can't lead God's church. <sighs> okay, so trust me, we got that, and God's in charge of that. But on the other side, what happens sometimes is we decide we're not going to listen to people unless they have it all worked out as if you do that in your homes with your kids. Oh, come on. Are you feeling me right now? Yeah. In other words, if you have a teenage kid, if you had problems in your past and you did some of the things you're telling them not to do, do you say, oh, I can't tell them that because I made those same mistakes? <laughs> no, you're like, hey, 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 let me just tell you something. That's not going to work out for you. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to help you. And so you don't decide I'm not going to tell them because you have past problems. In fact, you could be still struggling in the present. You'll still be going, hey, hey, hey. Right? That's what a good parent does. That's what a good teacher does. That's what a good leader does. Sometimes we're just imperfect people talking it out so we can work it out. And sometimes if you're looking uh, for perfection over progress, you'll have problems. So the people that are leading you, they're not perfect, but they're pr hopefully they're progressing. They're getting better. Is everybody with me right now? Okay. So another one is the church is controlling and manipulative. That's one of their fears. And so they're afraid of somebody's playing on me. Somebody's going to manipulate me. Somebody's trying to steer me to get something for themselves, personal or selfish interests. And somebody's trying to build their own vision. And I believe that that's happened. And, and people have abused privilege and authority. All I can say to you is, I'm sorry. Can we move on? Yeah. At some point, we just have to move on. I know that's not easy sometimes for some people, but the only way for you to grow is to move, is to move forward. Right. You know, the only way for you to grow is to accept that, yes, there's free will agency and people will abuse it. Our church, similar to this, has a, a behind the vision is this vision. We're, help, we're here to help you fulfill your vision, and as a result, the vision of the church is fulfilled. Yes. So we made a major shift years ago. Instead of, hey, help me accomplish this and do that, I'm going to use all my you know, uh, public you know, platform and public privilege and all that to get you to help me. No, no, no. No, we decided let's create a system, let's create an environment where we help mine for people's gifts, which are created to their design, which created to their destiny, and as a result, all the ministries will be will reflect the things that God put in the body instead of what I want the body to do and say. So you're in a house, you're in a church where our vision is to help you fulfill yours. So you don't have to think, you don't have to be worried about being manipulated. Does that make sense, everybody? Another one is the church is not about my benefit. It's about, it's about growth and power. No one's looking out for me, 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 me. See, once we get over it's not about you. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about you. Church is not about you. At the end of the day, it's about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If you make his agenda your agenda, he'll make your agenda his agenda. Come on, somebody. So it's not about, it's not about you. And if you want to get healthy, you'll stop making it about you. I call it limp, limp picking Christianity. You know what limp pickers are? It's as if you're wearing a sweater, perpetually wearing a sweater. You know how sweaters connect, collect, collect and connect lint? And so people are living their Christian lives. Oh my gosh, there's so many problems. Oh my gosh, there's another problem. Oh, I just got over that problem and I found another piece of lint and another one and another and another. And another. You're going to spend the rest of your life picking lint off your life if you don't realize it's not about you. The secret sauce to some of the things that you're facing is to turn all of that energy out and make it about somebody else and all the lint will fall off you. Amen. Amen. Just saying. I'm just saying, okay? So the truths are people are broken and God uses broken people. In healthy churches, sometimes, sometimes churches can have problems and, and there can be control and manipulation by appearances. But you know, in a healthy church, when there's a part of the body, let's talk about healthy bodies, physical bodies. If something's not healthy in the physical body, the whole body is working to heal that part of the body. But yet in the church, which is the body, when something's not healthy, people go, chum, chum. That ought not be so. Okay? So if something's not healthy, become a part of the solution. If you're healthy, help people who aren't healthy. In my family, the or, an organism or a small, a small picture of the church family is the nucleus of the, of the biological family. If my wife is not well, it is wisdom for me and maturity for me to nurse her back to health. If I don't, how many know things ain't going to go good at my house? Bring me up some chicken soup here right now, right? It's not going to go good if I don't do that, right? So um, anyway, let's move forward. Three keys that will kind of make this whole thing about the church unpack. Why is it important? Who's the church under? And how is it structured or organized? Number one, the church is a body. Everybody say body. So when you want to understand church, you need to think physical body. So if you're trying to understand church, just look at your body. Everybody just look at your body. Some of you got really depressed right there. You're like, if the church is like this, holy smokes, we are in trouble. We up, we up in a Walmart right now. We, we, we in trouble. Okay, 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 maybe so. But it just shows you church is not always perfect, right? But the, the Bible refers to the church like the body. Romans 12, 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we're all one, but we have a different function. In other words, we don't lose our uniqueness in our unity. Okay? So we, everybody say we. I find me in the we. Okay? So I find myself, I find my uniqueness in the unity. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So when you look at your body, you have, there's a part, you're a part of that body. If, you don't, if you're not a part of that body, you come apart. Find your part lest you come apart. But you're a part. So let's imagine you're a certain part. What part are you? Maybe you're just the fingernail. And you just kind of scratch people's itches. Yeah, you know? And maybe some of you got the fingernail and you're using it wrong. You're like... (laughs) On a chalkboard. Okay, we need to work on your gift. All right? Maybe... <laughs> Maybe you're a finger, you know, a pinky, and you kind of like help people, you know, hear clear. You're not hearing me. <sighs> You know, maybe you, maybe you're uh, 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 maybe you're an elbow in the body of Christ. 
Like some guy just said, yeah, my wife. Ooh, honey, pay attention. Huh, this point's for you. <clears throat> this is why you're in church today. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Some of you need, to, <laughs> you need to figure out that's your part, but you got to learn how to use it. You got to learn how to use it. So if you're, say, a finger in the body and that finger comes apart from the body, what happens? Pain. If that finger comes apart, what's the result? Amputation. When something's amputated, what's the first thing they do? Put it on ice and get that thing surgically reattached. Right. Otherwise, if it's, if it's disconnected, it's, it's like the fingers in the Adams family. It's this creepy thing disconnected from the body. Some people are behaving outside of the body uh, and not a part of the body. It's just downright painful. It's like an amputation. It's even creepy. Have you met some creepy Christians? It's because they're not really connected to the body and they become weird and odd and peculiar and aberrant. And so you were never meant to be disconnected from the body. A finger doesn't say, I don't do body. I I just don't do body. That's what what we're saying when we're not part of the church, which is the body of Christ. I don't do church. It's the same thing. Everybody with me? So here's three things about healthy, healthy bodies. Healthy bodies grow. So at some point, physically, you stop getting taller, but things still grow. Hair grows, unfortunately, in very odd places as you get older. Uh, fingernails grow. You know, things grow. They still grow. So you, healthy bodies grow. When my grandson, I have two grandsons, my youngest one, when he was born, his name's Hudson, Hudson Gray. And we call him Bubba. Go figure. We call him Bubba Jack, Bubba Bean. You know, uh, he's going to be so confused when he gets older because we call him everything other than his name. But when Bubba was first born, his head was completely disproportionate to the rest of his body. And and, and you you guys know what it's like when you have a grandkid or you you have somebody, you have a little baby and you're just like, and he's so cute, he's so cute. And you guys, but you know, some of y'all's babies aren't cute right away. And we're just, some of you know it. You're like, pray, Jesus, Jesus, change them, change them soon. But we all call him cute. So anyway, Bubba, I'm not going to lie, Bubba had just big head. And so when he was born, he'd, he'd wake up and be like, whoa, whoa. I couldn't tell if he was doing a Stevie Wonder or he was getting slain in the Holy Ghost. But eventually, because he grew, his body grew into his head. His head used to lead the way, you know what I mean? But then eventually his feet came up under him because he grew. Healthy bodies grow. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you growing? Are you growing in the body? Number two, healthy bodies mature. They mature. Same, same illustration, two kids. Two grandkids. When my, when my Bubba was a little baby, we used to feed him his bottle, which, by the way, we called Bubba. So Bubba was being fed to Bubba. <laughs> Why do grandparents do these things? So I got him like a little, you know, like in a little Heisman pocket within my arm. He can fit from here to here. And I'm feeding Bubba his Bubba. I'm like, Bubba, just take your Bubba. And, he's, and it's getting all over him. I'm like, oh, come on, come on, come on. But slowly, almost, not slowly, quickly, he began to mature. It seemed like almost overnight. Before you know it, he's grabbing the Bubba. And he's like, Poppy, check it out. Check it out. <laughs> Woo! Poppy, you see me do that by myself? <laughs> right? Because he would mature. 
that initially, initially when we're feeding him, put him in his little seat, lock him up, you know, and then we start feeding him. And just one at a time, trying to get this thing in his mouth. He spit it out. He couldn't figure out how to swallow it. Feeding, feeding, feeding. And eventually, he started to take it. And eventually, he grabbed the spoon and, and matured to the point where he started to feed himself. Now, it was all over him. It wasn't like, it was, we call them yogurt sessions, like yoga sessions. It's all over his whole body. But, but eventually he started to feed himself. Listen, many people in the church don't mature to feed themselves. They're just going Sunday to Sunday. Pastor Jonathan, feed me, feed me, feed me. Small groups, give me something, give me something. Podcast Central. You need to learn how to feed yourself and mature and grow. Get into your own Bible. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God is living and active. You know, we need to study to show ourselves approved, a workman not needing to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to do that for ourselves. But, but with my grandkids, they started to feed themselves. Eventually, they, could, they matured to the point where they could tell me, I don't want that. And we're like feeding them, you know, and they couldn't talk, but they could tell us what they wanted, what they didn't want. And, and, and then they started, you know, telling us exactly what they want. I can't wait for the day, we're almost there, where I can put the food in front of them and say, this is what you're eating, and if you don't want it, you can fast and pray. Right. <laughs> Mature. That's the goal in the church. That's the goal in the church of Jesus Christ. Okay, here's the third thing. Healthy bodies are unique. What, what do we mean? Basically, we have some uh, friends that are twins. When a twin is born, identical twins, they might be in the womb at the same time, come out maybe minutes apart from each other, look exactly the same on the outside, but are completely different in every way. Their passions, their interests, their personality. We all know that, right? And so there's this subtle fear that if I become a part of something, I will lose myself. You don't, you find your uniqueness in the unity of the body. And so you won't you know, healthy bodies mature, healthy bodies uh, grow, and healthy bodies find their uniqueness when they are connected to the body. But some people are not doing those things. And I think there's going to be a day, I'm going to show you a picture, where people are going to crawl into heaven. They'll be adult bodies, but they'll still be little kids sucking their thumb because they didn't grow inside the body of Christ. And they're going to look like this. I just thought I'd let, let that leave a mark. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. Okay. Here's what happens. There's a lot of grown men and grown women, but we're not growing. Salvation is found in Christ. Growth is found in the body of Christ. So if you want to grow, you grow inside the body of Christ. Is everybody with me? Psalm 92 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. The Bible doesn't say those who attend, those who did next steps and became members. No, it says those who are planted. What does planted look like? Looks like this. It doesn't matter what's happening. Oh, that message was strong. Woo! Oh my gosh, Pastor Jonathan didn't say hi to me, huh? But I'm still planted. Nobody noticed me, you know? Oh, the worship was great. Some days it's good, but I'm still planted. Some days it's bad. So no matter what's happening, you're planted. What, what roots you is your relationships. 
It, what roots you is your relationship. See, God is not interested. He knows you won't have good fruits if you don't have deep, deep roots. And so when you come to church, listen, listen, when you come to church, you're coming here, whether you know it or not, and God is desiring and even designed this to do surgery on your heart. In other words, when people come together, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. But some people run or reject the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Right before he's getting ready to do something and cut something out surgically from your heart that's kept you bound or cut something out that has kept you in the dark or remove a spirit that has bound you up for years or help you to see uh, and not live in a poverty mentality or help you to see the destiny and design for your life. He wants to cut something out, but right before he's getting ready to do surgery, whether it's three months, six months, 12 months, two years, five years, a lot of people run. And that's why what's certain is death, taxes, and people leaving church. Because right before surgery, people, and you know why they don't run? Because they weren't strapped down on the surgery table. In 2012, I had a surgery from, from here to here. I was cut open by a doctor and had a cancerous tumor removed from my stomach the size of my fist. If I wasn't strapped down for that surgery when that doctor went, no, 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 how many know I would have run? But surgery, though painful, is beneficial. Surgery, though painful, can save your life. And God wants to do something that not only save you, but determine you know, some of your future, what God has for you. But a lot of us, we're not strapped down. What straps us down? Relationships, being planted, being engaged. In the old school days when, when somebody got shot or somebody got hurt and they were going to remove a bullet, you've seen it in the movies. They'll put you on a table. They'll put like a piece of wood in your mouth. They start pouring whiskey on the wound, right? This is old school, right? And the only way you got through that surgery and be saved in that surgery was because your friends were holding you down. Who's holding you down? How planted are you? How engaged are you in the body of Christ? That's what he wants for you in order for you to fulfill the purpose and plan of God for your life. Can I have an amen? amen. Number two, who is the head of the church? Jesus is the head. Colossians 1 said, he was before all else began, and it's his power that holds everything together. So you're really not following man. You're following Christ when you are in the local church. Because Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan is the lead pastor, but Jesus is the head pastor of the church. Amen? And so he's holding all things together. And even when things... <clears throat> Don't always seem like they're working, and that's not been the case for the history of this church, but even when there's little problems and things like that, which every church has, you need to know that Jesus, the head of the church, is working to heal that part of the body. See, the head, the head sees things and knows things that um, the rest of the body doesn't know and see. The difference between the head and the heart is the heart has all the, the will, the, the emotions, the desires, the passions, but the head of the church disseminates the information and instruction to the rest of the body, sees things that are coming, hears things that are important, and it's also where the head is where you receive natural nourishment. A lot of times people are receiving unnatural nourishment instead of it coming from the church or the body, which is led by the head, it's coming outside. I hope you guys can get this. It's like, it's as if people are on an IV, receiving spiritual nourishment, but they're in a body, but they're not listening to the head. 
as he disseminates or he gives the, 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 the information and gives the necessary uh, nourishment for the body. See, so the pastor's under the head, Jesus. So what I believe is this. I don't think it's bad to listen to outside influences, but if you want to be planted and flourish, I think the primary influence should come from the local church of which you are planted. Why? Because they're more responsible for what they say. So how should Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan and the leadership be, 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 have to stand before God for what they say for a people who don't listen or who are not primarily submitted to that influence? Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we want to make sure that we're listening to the head Jesus and we're listening to the leadership that he has underneath them. And yes, sometimes there are problems. And the problems you should look for, this is a cool scripture from Matthew chapter 8, verse 19. Listen to this. This, this is wild. It says, there was a certain scribe and he came to Jesus and said, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said this to him. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So I used to read this and think, Jesus is going around, no place to lay his head. He's going from crib to crib, and he doesn't have a home. Okay. I, thought, I was looking at it at his physical head, but this was talking about something more, and, and there's this term called biblical imagery. It basically means that certain words mean more than what you see. That's so powerful about the Bible. And so in biblical imagery, quickly, let me say, the, the, the foxes refer to false teachers and the holes that they hide in are religion. And the birds refer to demonic spirits that hide in trees, and trees mean people. I know this is wild for you right now to just hang on. So what happens is Jesus is saying, hey, you got to be careful in the church because what happens is religion will try to get in there and, and, and it will push people away from the reality of God. And you got to be careful that sometimes through people hiding and masking behind relationships, they'll get in there and try to influence your destiny and your purpose and keep you from the local church. But Jesus came to earth and cleansed humanity of its sin and then left so that he could leave his headship or his authority on the local church so it could be healthy and people could grow. Does that make sense? It's kind of a big thing what's going on there. That was his plan. And so he didn't, he hadn't hung on the cross at that point, but later he was coming to bring a healthy, healthy headship to the local church so that it would rest there would no longer be a nomad wandering around with that authority. No, I want to put my authority on the church so the church can be healthy. Not restricted, but protected. Nice. And so he died for a body. He rose for a body. And he's still in control of the body of Christ. Amen? Number three, write this down. The last point is the body is organized. Now, I'm not a doctor, and I'm definitely not a nurse. Um, but I've been hanging with Wikipedia recently. <laughs> And I learned, so if you're a doctor or nurse, you can correct me later, but I learned there are 12 physical systems in the body. And I'll just highlight a couple of these for the point of helping you see that the physical body is one of the most complicated, amazing infrastructures ever created. And God uses the physical body and contrasts it to the body of Christ or the church. So the, church, the organization of the human body is absolutely astounding. And God wants the local church to have a similar organization. To, to say that organized is bad is crazy. It's crazy. So the human body has, for example, a skeletal system. 
the skeletal system, you don't see, but if the skeletal system wasn't in me, I'd just be a blob and fall apart. The skeletal system holds up the body. The skeletal system in the church is the governance, uh, the structure, the systems. There are things you don't see on Sunday morning, but between Sundays, if they weren't happening, everything would fall apart. Are you with me? The skeletal system's critical to the human body, but it's also critical to a healthy church. And if you don't have a healthy skeleton, that's why some churches grow and some don't. That's why some are unhealthy or some not. This has a healthy governance, healthy systems, healthy practices. That's critical. You should be so grateful for your church that you're in a healthy church with a healthy skeleton. There's, there's the nervous system. I didn't say paranoid system. <laughs> The nervous system collects and sends critical information electrically through the entire body. And, 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 and then there's the muscular system. It, the, it's my favorite, but it enables movement. You, the skeletal system, it works in conjunction with the muscular system. And if there weren't muscles, there'd be no movement. So when you're looking, a healthy church has to have movement. In other words, if there's training and equipping, great, but is there sending, is there serving taking place within the local church? So you have to have both, equip, train, explain, but then you have to go send, serve, give. If you don't see those things happening in the church, you don't have a healthy church. This is a whole thing. We can do a whole messages on this. The fourth one, in a nutshell, uh, that, that sometimes people don't see is the digestive system. This is critical to your health. The digestive system uh, uh, passes nutrients to the different parts of the body, but it also removes waste. So what's so cool about this church is there's also, sometimes there's, there's information happening right now through this system. There's things that are happening out in next steps. There's seminars. There's different things where the family is being emphasized. And there's other times where there's a pruning word from the pastor, or there's, there's some training that's taking place in another place, or we're in a season of fasting and prayer where we're disconnecting from the world so we can totally connect to God. That's the digestive system working in order for us to keep the body healthy. This is the most organized, yes. most organized body there is, the body of Christ. Amen? So I hope you see the church differently because what the enemy tries to do is get you to resist organized religion. You should run to it. Organized, not disorganized. Organized brings safety and security so you can grow up and fully express the plan of God in your life. Amen? Amen. And so I, I just want to pray for you about something, but let me tell you this final thought, and then I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. I want you to see the body different and care about its growth. Amen. See, if you're part of the body, you need to care about the whole body. See, if you're growing at a faster rate than the rest of the body, listen, listen, that's not growth. That's a growth. I don't know if you got what I said. If you're growing at a faster rate than the rest of the body, if my bicep, this bicep is growing at a faster rate than the rest of the body, and this, this arm over here is skinny like Minnie Mouse, how many know that's just weird? That's a growth, okay? God, we don't want growths. We want growth. You need to be concerned. You need to be growing together within the body so it can be healthy, so it can have unity. And when you do that, God puts a blessing on it. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. Did you get something out of this third service? I told you you'd be blessed. Amen. In Psalm 133, verse 1, here's what it says. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in what? 
in unity. Come on, say it, in unity. It says, for there, where? There, unity, where unity is, the Lord commands a blessing. So when we understand the church and the way it operates, God brings us together in unity. And where that unity is, this is what God does. He puts favor on that. I don't know about you, but I I want favor on my church and on my life. And I'm going to pray favor over this church. And then I'm going to pray for two groups of people. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Father, in Jesus' name, I, I pronounce favor in Jesus' name on International Family Church that their best days are ahead. That God, you are organizing your church to accomplish a great task. We do things better together. We're not meant to accomplish the kingdom and the commission alone. We're meant to do those things together. I pray that we grow together at a common rate, Lord, and that we're considerate of each other. Lord, I pray for supernatural blessing. Now, Father, for every person who's here who might be far from God, maybe you're here today and there's that disconnect. Before you can connect to the body, you need to connect with Jesus. Salvation is found in Jesus. Growth is found in the body, but one precedes the other. And if you're here today and you've never made that personal connection with Jesus and you would like to, I can't wait to introduce you to him. But it's just done by a prayer with your mouth and a confession in your heart, like a belief in your heart. If that's you today and you know God is calling you, he's kind of knocking on the door of your heart, then I'm just going to ask you to have a little courage today between me, you, and God, and just say, Pastor D, that's me, and just raise your hand. Say, would you pray for me? Just raise your hand if you want to connect to Jesus in a personal way today. You'd like me to pray for you. Good and high. I don't want to miss it so I can see that hand. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That's awesome. Thank you for your courage over there, sir. Is there anybody else that says that's me? Good night. Good night. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sister. Thank you so much. That's awesome. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I see that. If you're here, thank you, all the way in the back. That's awesome. Thank you. If you're here today, second group, and you know you need to be planted and you need to be rooted and you're and 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 God's talking to you about increasing your engagement and and you've been kind of not all in. If that's you and the Holy Spirit's knocking on the door of your heart, would you say, Pastor, that's me, and raise your hand. It's time for me to get planted. It's time for me to get rooted in a church like this. Come on, good and high. Don't be ashamed. Thank you. Thank you. All over the room. All over the room. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, sir. You can put your hands down. I want to pray for both of you together, both groups together. Church, would you all join me in this prayer, especially those in the first group that you say this from your heart. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life today afresh. I transfer trust from what I could do to save myself to what you already did to save me. On Calvary 2,000 years ago, you paid for my sins, my past, my present, and my future. Today is the day of salvation for me. I confess and I believe Jesus is Lord. And today, I decide to engage in the local church. I believe salvation is found in Jesus, but growth is found in the body of Christ And all God's church said, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand for those decisions. Thank you. God bless you guys. It's been an honor. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times or how you can get involved, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information. 
Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.